Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. Our goal here is to provide you with a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, as well as empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And, of course, we're glad that you join us. Now, if you hadn't noticed, we probably didn't know it. I'm suffering bad, y'all. This weather here in Mississippi is just, yeah, it's it's something. I tell you, it's cold today. It was hot yesterday. It's cold today. And my sinuses have been just giving me the run around. So y'all bear with me today, okay? Bear with me as I try to do this, you know. But anyway, I interrupted my, <laughs> interrupted my thing. So, but anyway, we're glad you're joining us today on this illuminating journey. And always, you call in 347-237-5230. That's the number to call if you want to... Uh, get your thoughts, insights, and uh, opinions, two cents, five cents, ten cents on the air, whatever it may be. Always, uh, we have the chat room up and running on Blog Talk Radio, so you can get on the chat room if you want to share your thoughts there. Also, leave us a comment on our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook, and uh, we're on Twitter at Prophesy. Uh, send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. We're on Skype. We're everywhere, and where we're not, we're going to get there. <laughs> so do all that. Like the page, like the show, subscribe to it. We appreciate all of it, and we and we thank you. The show is growing steadily, and we appreciate you in that. So anyway, before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, our Father, thank you for another opportunity to uh, do the show, give us strength to go through the show. By your grace and mercy, we ask in the Christ's name, amen. All right, so it is... I was about to say May. I'm so happy. You know, it's, it's April. It's April. Uh, this year's going by so fast. But let me tell you why I'm excited about April. April, this month, makes my, my puppy Jackson, my dog Jackson, he'll be a, a year next week. He'll be turning a year old next week. And no, he's not in the studio with me today. He's not here today. He's locked up. <laughs> he's grounded. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. Y'all don't be fussing at me. Don't 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 y'all look at me in that tone of voice. No, he, he it's raining outside, so he, he couldn't go outside, so he's in the cage to like uh, you know, so he won't tear up my house. But anyway, he'll be he, he officially turns a month next week, so I'm I'm excited. Whether I'll throw a party for him or not, I don't know. Is it wrong for me to want to throw a party for my, my dog? Is it wrong? I, it's not like I'm going to go and buy him something to wear. It's not like I'm going to buy him a new outfit for his first birthday. Now, I did not confess to say that I would do that. I'm just saying, you know, I, I haven't gotten to that level of development, of commitment yet. You know, I, I hadn't gotten there yet. 
But, you know, hey, you know what they say, April showers bring May flowers. So uh, let the uh, let the showers come in April because May is only popping when my birthday comes. So all my listeners, May 28th, you can get ready to start sending gifts, whatever you want to do. All right? So anyway, yeah. It's already April. The year's going by fast. And the weather in this year it's been something, I, I tell you. I mean, it's, it's spring, but it's we're having winter weather. I mean, it's like barely 50 degrees here. And and I'm telling you, I cannot take it. <laughs> I I really just, I don't know what to say about this weather. But I am, I, what I will say is that whatever's happening is happening for purpose. So I'm letting it happen. I'm not going to go any further into that. But, hey. I hope you're enjoying the weather where you are. I'm hoping that you're having a great day, a great week so far. I hope you didn't get pranked too bad on April Fool's Day. I didn't get pranked that I would You know, I usually try to pull a prank on Facebook, and I didn't do it this time, and neither did I get pranked that I can recall. But then again, I was too doped up. You know, I was on drugs all, all week. I, I don't know how I made it through Easter. Good Friday service I preached. And Sunday I preached, and I don't know, I couldn't tell you how I made it through either one of those, because as soon as it was over, I got some food in my belly, and I got it in my bed. But well, thank God for good health anyway. Uh, I'd rather be eh, a little congested on this side than <laughs> not breathing at all on the other side. So anyway, we're glad you're listening to us this, this morning. We'll share some odd news with you before we go into that. We're going to be talking about... Uh, Martin Luther King, yes, 45 years ago today that he made his final speech, and of course tomorrow marks the 45th anniversary of his death, his assassination, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, how would he perceive uh, the country today, the state of the country, what would be his address to the nation, to the president, to the all of that. So, you know, 45 years later now, if you were alive, and of course uh, we'll get into some other issues uh uh, surrounding that, but uh, that's going to be the main topic that we're going to focus on. But let, let's get into some some weird news here. This this is weird. I'm not sure if you guys remember the story about uh, it's 2013, so about six years ago, five years ago, uh, the, a guy appeared on the Oprah Show and he was he was uh, termed the the world's first pregnant man. Okay. Uh, the guy Thomas Bailey, he's a uh, uh, Arizona native. Who uh, he's a man who lives in Arizona, and he made international, national, and international news by uh, purportedly being the first man to get pregnant. Well, actually, he's a transgender individual, and uh, he he started living in this man as a man in his twenties, somewhere in there. And he started, you know, he got the hormones treatments, and he had the double mastectomy, or uh, she had the double mastectomy, get her breast removed, and the only thing she kept was her genitals. And she kept her, you know, her lower parts. Uh, she married, and uh, she married in 2003 in Hawaii because Hawaii had legalized marriage by that time, and so. She and her partner legally married, and they began the uh, fertilization process, uh, in vitro fertilization, where he got pregnant. Uh, you know, he appeared on the Oprah Winfrey show, and he had a little beard. You know, he looked like a man, but he still possessed the uh, female parts. And it was interesting uh, because he went on to have uh, – I think it's three children that he had. So now he's living in Arizona. Arizona is one of the states that does not recognize same-sex marriage. And he has filed for divorce from his wife of 10 years. Uh, he's filed for divorce from his wife of 10 years. He has a girlfriend now. And he wants to marry the girlfriend. Of course, that is not going to be happening in Arizona. So... He he goes to court, you know, goes to court. And the thing is that the judge ruled that he cannot get divorced from his wife because of the fact that they married in 
in Hawaii, and there was no distinction as to what gender he was when he got married. Wow. So in other, in, in other, in basically, basically, what the judge said is the judge couldn't determine whether he was actually classified as a man or as a as a woman in Hawaii because it was same sex. You know, who's the male, who's the female? You know, if it's same sex, and because he still had you know his uh, genitals, his female genitals, could he really be classified as a man? Transgender, yes. But as an actual male, that was the question, and the judge ruled that uh, determined that he could not rule in his favor as a divorce. Uh, and so he's appealing. Uh, Thomas Bailey is actually appealing the judge's ruling. The judge's ruling. He's he's trying to get a divorce, and and the strange thing is now, you know, at least he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to. Time, trying to uh, get a divorce, you know. What the, the president, you know, uh, I mean, what was happening may set a precedent uh, regarding uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, you know, last week that was the headline, that was the news cycle, that was as the Supreme Court was hearing Prop 8 and uh, the uh, Defense of Marriage Act, and, and now we hear this coming on. It you have to actually question. You know, you have to actually really question uh, if if something like this were to become common, how would it how would it uh, be handled? And of course, this case, if, if if it goes further, it would certainly certainly set a precedent as to how to handle such instances uh, in the cases of transgender individuals, gender individuals who be, maybe have been born a male, become a female, become or have been born a female, become a male, and get married. And they have children, you know. There's there's all kinds of issues that develop that are unique to that situation. Now, I'm not speaking from I'm not speaking from a religious perspective, anything like that. From a you know, from the perspective of a mediator, you know, a family mediator, uh, it surely is an interesting event. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I find it funny. Don't judge me. I I really do. Just find it funny. That this is happening, you know, but every individual, you know, they are entitled to whatever it is. Um, but you know, it, it certainly is an interesting situation, and and the fact that is in Arizona, which is a very much a conservative state. Yeah, uh, and when I say conservative, I'm not talking about just politically, but you know, uh, as, as far as religiously, also it's very much a a conservative state, and it's interesting to see what the outcome of this is. If it's appealed further to a, uh, an appellate court, and the appellate court overturns the um, uh, regular court's decision, the lower court's decision, will it go further to the Supreme Court? You know, that 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 would be an interesting development. So I'm, I'm looking to see about that. I uh, I wonder what you guys think about. It. I mean. It's strange to me. It's really strange to me, but we'll talk a little bit. If you have some thoughts about that, let me know. I'd be glad to hear. I'm gonna take a break. Uh, let my my let my my throat kind of get a little better for me, and then we'll get into the topic of the day. And you know, I'm pushing through this thing. <laughs> I'm pushing through this thing, but we're gonna come back right after this, and. Uh, Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll we'll give Abe to talk about what needs to be talked about. This was the golf's best tourism season in years. All because so many people wanted to visit us in Louisiana. They came to see us in Florida. Nice try. They came to hang out with us in Alabama. Once folks heard Mississippi had the welcome sign out, they couldn't wait to get here. This year was great, but next year is going to be even better. And anyone who knows the golf knows that winter is prime time fun time. Sun's out. The water's beautiful. You can go deep sea fishing for amberjack, grouper, and mackerel. 
Our golf courses are open. Our bed and breakfast have special rates. And migrating waterfowl from all over make this a bird watcher's paradise. So if you missed it earlier this year, come on down. If you've already been here, come on back to Mississippi, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, the Gulf's America's getaway spot, no matter where you go. So come on down and help make 2012 an even better year for tourism on the Gulf. Brought to you by BP and all of us who call the Gulf home. Good morning, freedom. Hello, adventure. Today is yours. To find your can-do spirit, your will-do strength, to chart new paths and rediscover old ones. Capability has found its versatility, making all days and all terrains equal. Go ahead. Raise your hands. Lower your foot. Make pursuit of the unexpected unrelenting. Today is yours to go find your power. And where you'll find it is within. Thrilling 1080p HD movie. My beef isn't with you, Lewis. Sensational effects like selected color in HD movie and stills. And amazing photo quality that packs a Nikon punch. Okay, guys. You're a natural. The Nikon D5100, a DSLR so versatile, we shot this whole commercial with it. The compact D5100. And check out the waterproof, breezeproof, shockproof Coolpix AW100. I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. No fees, an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive Claim Service. You know, friends, I, I talk about my the use of carbonite.com, and I share my testimony of how once, uh, not long ago, my, my whole computer just, I mean, it just crashed, and I was scared that I had lost everything. Well, I, I, no, the good thing was I didn't lose anything because I had all my files backed up on carbonite.com. And I want to tell you about carbonite.com. Carbonite.com is a great solution for your home, your home office, your business. They do a tremendous job of backing up all of your files, and they do it every single time you get online. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is just, you know, once you log on, your files are automatically backed up. It's secure. You can rest easy knowing that your files are encrypted and backed up to uh, standards that are, are, are highly, I mean, they are the top of the top of the top. Uh, so you don't have to worry about your photos. You don't have to worry about your music. You don't have to worry about your documents, especially like me if you're in your doctoral program and you're writing a paper that's due the next day and it crashes on you. You don't have to worry about that. Carbonite.com backs up everything. And here's the thing. All you have to do is install it on your computer. They take care of the rest. And you have unlimited backup space. And you can get tar- you can get started as as easy as logging on to uh, www.carbonite.com. You can log on to there, and they got a free trial going on. And you can log on for that free trial, and you can see how it works for yourself. And here's the other good thing I really love about it: you can access your files from anywhere, wherever you are. You don't have to worry about it. You can even do it from the phone. You have these smartphones, your iPhone, Android, whatever it is, you can access your files and recover them just simply by clicking your mouse. And other thing, you know, the good thing I really like about it, it's really inexpensive, you know, as low as $59 a year. Hey, you can afford that. Spend more than that on a pair of shoes. So check out Carbonite.com. For all your needs, uh, backup needs, you don't have to have to worry about it again. Simply go again. That's Carbonite.com. The Game of Life with the Prius C, a high-stakes world where some descend into total loserdom while others triumphantly return home to their Tudor houses. The real game of life is no more forgiving. 
But luckily, you're ready to grab it by the throat and jujitsu it into submission. And with all the important things to do and places to go, you're going to need a game piece that will move you to the next level. That car, my friends, is the all-new 53-mile-per-gallon rated Prius C from Toyota. joining us uh we're talking today today march the 45th anniversary of the reverend dr martin luther king jr's uh last public speak it has been given the title uh the mountaintop speech and it was made at the historic mason temple uh church of god in christ there in memphis tennessee and if you recall the narrative, uh, Dr. King had gone to Memphis to aid with the uh, workers, sanitation workers, and lead the protests there. And uh, he led the he led the protest, he led the the march uh, for the workers, and, and 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 it was unique. It was a unique thing because uh, this at this time Dr. King was shifting. It, you know, he was experiencing a paradigm shift. He had spoken. Uh, he was moving not so much away from the nonviolence that he was pro- preaching and uh, civil disobedience, no, but he was moving more toward an integrated uh, sense of unity for the people. Um, he, he spoke openly about the uh, Vietnam War and America's involvement of that. And of course, you know that that led to a, a lot of attacks, uh, political attacks. You know, uh, he wasn't he wasn't sheltered from those uh, attacks and. Uh, Hoover and others uh, had, uh, you know, they were they were taping him, they were following him, and, and all these kind of things. But he he was moving as for quality towards equality for all humans and all workers. And he was there in Memphis, and he was he was leaving the march. And later that night, he spoke at Mason Temple, and this speech and, and mind you this was not the first time he had given this speech he had given the speech before just as he had given the i have a dream speech uh he had given that speech before uh but the poignancy of this speech the way he uh it, it seemed more prophetic this time around uh when he gave the speech this night than before and um i got to get, i think i got some callers so uh i'm i'm uh, um, get to this callers, and we'll we'll we're gonna play a clip from that speech that night, and get into some more commentary about that. Um, uh, caller, you on the air? Did you want to have a comment? Yes, I did. Good morning, Pastor Neil. Good morning. Yes, first of all, I want to say happy birthday to Jackson unofficially. I know it's not here yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bring us some doggy treats. <laughs> um, but um, I wanted to I have a lot to say uh, I want to say thank you for you know giving this knowledge over because the Bible does speak on my people perish because lack of knowledge and people like you Pastor Neil shows like this you know that's on the air on the radio on the television I just thank God for it it, it blesses people's lives and I just pray that he continues to you know enhance your your territory in this area but uh, thank you, thank you very all, much. I want to, I wanted to speak on you know this anniversary with Dr. King, and uh, I don't really think he would be pleased. A lot of people are in denial. You know, they think things, but they don't want to say it out loud. And see, I'm the type of person I say it out loud. I don't think Dr. King would be pleased with where we are today, and it's sad. You know, I, I have some, I have some quotes here that was given to me by uh a wonderful motivational speaker 
uh, Brother Mitch, and uh, I, I begged him to let me have it, and he did. And, and now I see why, because I'm going to read some of these to you, Pastor Neil. Some of these I'm sure you already know. Okay, it go says, ahead. If, if you are a black man in America, according to statistics, very well-done statistics, only 41% of black men graduate from high school. And according to uh, another study, 1.5 million black men out of the whole total voting population of 10.4 million have lost their right to vote due to felony convictions. 1.5 million. Yeah, yeah. That, that that that's a very good point. And and here's the thing about that. Uh most of them are have been misinformed as far as being able to vote. You can actually vote in most states. You can actually vote. You you can, we can regain your voting right even if you are a felon. And, and because uh the rhetoric has not been the rhetoric has been misused and information has gotten not gotten out of there. So many black men who have uh, prison records, felonies uh, on their records, they don't vote. They 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 have this nonchalant, don't care attitude. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to share that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, and I I hope they they check into that. Whoever is listening out there, I hope that they go check into that because when I read that, I thought that was very appalling. And and here's some more. It says out of every three. Black men that are in college, four are in prison. And I just was amazed by that. I don't think Dr. King, you know, everyone else that, that Rosa Parks, anyone that has, you know, given their lives over, you know, fought for our rights, fought for our freedoms, fought for our uh, desire to become a people, united, educated progressing, moving forward, will be pleased with this thing. You know, it says, according to the Justice Department, one out of every 21 black men can expect to be murdered. That rate doubled that of U.S. soldiers of World War II. It's, it's, just, it's just amazing. And I really wish that parents today, especially parents of young black men, would just take the time to really share with them. You don't have to be a statistic. You know, you're not who they say you are. You're who God says you are. And just really take the time to put in that extra attention, put in that extra work with them to show them, you know, you can be whoever you want to be. You don't have to be what they say you are. Love your life. Respect your life. Respect God and realize that this is hard work. All of these kids out here, it's just so sad. It's like they feel like the world owes them something. It's hard work. Being grown is hard work, and you should fight for your right to have life more abundantly as Christ meant for them to have it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, and I appreciate you for sharing those uh, statistics. And, and um, unfortunately, you know, um, the the general public, particularly the black the black the black public, uh, when it comes down to statistics like that, we 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 sweep them under the rug. Um, and when uh, when persons such as Dr. Ben Carson points out things that are are being you know points out the things that are uh, uh, overwhelmingly disenfranchising our, our people of color, black people, and we will have pe- uh, persons like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and others uh, who take the front and, and try to oh, hold up the race card against others, you know, other races, uh, non-blacks. Mm-hmm. And instead of addressing the critical issues that are really depreciating the uh, the value of the black American family and black, especially young black male, and you know when we have those those kind of things going on, it really is troubling because the message is not getting out. And uh, like you said, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and particularly for us, I use the phrase all the time. Ignorance is not bliss. For for black Americans, ignorance is not bliss. It's not it's not what we don't know that hurts us. I mean it's not what we know that hurts us. It's what we don't know that hurts us. And actually I let me reverse that. It is what we know that hurts us because what we know we try to hide, we compromise. And you know, it goes back to the issues of sin and all the other things. I talk about, you know, abortion and things like that. I I have to be honest with myself and say I'm a part of that uh that that problem uh for you know if if I'm silent on abortion 
It's because I either have done it, have participated, been a participant, and don't want my business out there, or, you know, I'm just too scared to talk about it. And, you know, we have to deal with issues like that. And once we be once we're no longer afraid to really and seriously address the issues that are plaguing our community, and admit that we fall short in it, and you know I can admit it. I know what I fail. I know what I did wrong. And uh, by by doing that, not only does it empower me to be a better human, it empowers me to be a better Christian and showing that love and the forgiveness of God, and, and letting people know that we're able to do more because we know more. God knows us better than we know ourselves. So why try to hide? You know, anything like that. Yeah, and, and, and I hate to keep you on for so long. I know I'm talking too much. That's all right. But, it's you know, you're talking about a lot of great stuff. And I wanted to talk about the pregnant she-man, you know. <laughs> he's my friend. I want to talk about it. And, and I have something else to read. And a lot of people, they're like, oh, you're spreading hate. You're, you're, you're not giving people their rights. I don't hate anybody. I love them all. I feel like, you know, I don't want them, you know, being missed treated, but then when it gets to the point where it just gets above and beyond and we get into these court cases, it just gets appalling and outrageous. And I wanted to share this. You know, a lot of people, they they feel like, okay, well, this is just happening. This is just what is the world coming to? I will tell you what the world is coming to. It's coming to God's wrath, and nobody wants to talk about God's wrath. Everybody wants to talk about this Jesus, this God with his arms open wide, ready to receive us. Nobody wants to talk about the wrath of God. And, you know, you have to go back to Romans 1. You have to, Pastor Neil. It says it three times. I feel like this, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. Verse 24 of Romans 1, verse 26 of Romans 1, and it skips down verse 28. All three of them say when they didn't want to listen, God gave them up. It says gave them up. It doesn't say nothing about standing there with his arms open wide, ready to forgive them. It says when they would get into this, you know, all this uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves, you know, men laying down with men, men, women laying down with women and unnatural use of their bodies. When it speaks of these things, it doesn't say nothing about lovingness. It says God gave them up. And, no one should be surprised that sin makes God angry. To deny God's anger is just to reject, you know, Christ's work on the cross. And people I, are just, they don't want to talk about it. I, I agree. I agree. I got to cut you off. I got to go to a break uh, because we're running quick on time. Uh, I, well, you know, you I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your passionate argument and uh, the wonderful comments and statistics that you shared. I, I couldn't agree with you more. But again, I, I go back to the same point, the same point that we made. Um, uh, again, we destroy ourselves because of lack of knowledge, uh, and the knowledge that we do have, we are too afraid to openly engage it to where it can be beneficial for us. And till we do that as uh, as pastors, till we do that, and we'll be open and honest about ourselves and uh, our frailties and our our fears and concerns and anxieties about our communities until we open it up about that. We're going to continue to see the same thing. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're, I got, I'm got i going to play this clip from Dr. King and get some more comments and insights, uh, commentary and insights, okay? Uh, be right back. Oh, after that so then I said, Mr. Prime Minister, I'm flattered that you love chocolate, but I'm here strictly in a professional. What's wrong with him? He thinks you're naked. My shell is brown. It just looks like my milk chocolate is showing. Only a fool would think I'd actually show up naked. So it's that kind of party. Hit it! I'm sexy and I know it. Hey. Look at When mucus piles up in your chest, the congestion can get in the way of your day. Got you with a touch, knock the floor, with so few hours in a day, it's not easy keeping a place looking this trippy. You have the magic touch. Maximum Strength Mucinex breaks up the mucus that causes chest congestion. And only Mucinex is a bilayered tablet. One side goes to work fast, the other is long-lasting. Uh-oh. <coughs> what about my condolence? Mucinex is fast-acting and provides long-lasting 12-hour relief. 12 hours? Mucinex in, mucus out.
You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. It was just gigantic. It was humongous. Enormous, huge bill. That's actually when we switched to Vonage. The service is great. I don't see any difference with the call quality. More, I can just pick up the phone and call. As many family members as I want. Ugh, why did I not do this earlier? I'm Laura Pruden, and this was my last bill. Before I switched to Vonage. Time is running out to get Vonage World for just $14.99 a month with unlimited domestic and international calls. Go to Vonage.com or call now. Exciting things are happening at Burger King. We got some new salads on the menu. We're going to do a little role play. I just need a volunteer. Me, me, me. Okay, Selma. Welcome to Burger King. Five Garden Fresh salads, please. Good choice. Do you have a Garden Fresh salad? Absolutely. Give it to me, baby. I would simply like a chicken, apple, and cranberry salad. Dressing on the side. Dressing on the side. That's not a problem. The new Garden Fresh Salads and Wraps. Come and get it at Burger King. Today, we stand against the tyranny of single-mile credit cards. Battle speech, right? <gasps> May I? For too long, people have settled for single miles. With the Capital One Venture Card, you'll earn double miles on every purchase every day! Hawaii, here we come. So sign up today for a Venture Card at CapitalOne.com. And start earning double! What's in your wallet? Can you play games on that? Not on the runway. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm host Lorenzo Neal. Glad to, that you're uh, here with us today. Um, we've been talking about, <laughs> excuse me, we've, we've been talking about Dr. King. Uh, it's 45 years today that he made his last public uh, appearance and speech, um, and it's been dubbed the Mountaintop Speech. He made it at Basin Temple Church of God in Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. And he was in Memphis protesting and uh uh, with uh, the sanitation workers, and here's the story I found on the Loop 21, uh, which is an online black news outlet. Check this out. Uh, the lead is the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, that's the case. 45 years after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed in supporting historic strike by sanitation workers, demanding better working conditions and high pay, those same workers are fighting to hold their jobs. City leaders want to hire a private company to haul away garbage. It looks like they're trying to take us down again to 81-year-old Elmore Nickelberry, who was one of the original strikers who, who was with Dr. King on this that fateful day. And check this out. Uh, Nickelberry is 81 years old. He still drives a garbage truck at night in Memphis, and he plans to take part. Uh, this come, On tomorrow, they're having a, a, a march, a memorial march in honor of uh, Dr. King's sacrifice. And now, so here it is, 45 years later, uh, the city of Memphis trying to save money is looking to outsource a uh, outsource the the waste management. <laughs> you know, that's where they are, waste management engineers. So the city garbage workers are are being outsourced to an outside company. And, and and you know I, I'm all for you know fiscal uh, fiscal management and you know all of that, but you know here they're saying that they're going to save 15 million dollars by getting rid of its sanita- uh, sanitation department, right? And you have 1,300 men and women uh, employees for this city. So 45 years ago, Dr. King was in the very same city <laughs> addressing the very same issue. And, and 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 you know the question is thing have things changed so uh, before I get to that uh, caller I see you on there and uh, I'm going to play this clip it's about three minutes long and as soon as I play the clip uh, I'll let you get your comment in is that all right okay let me 
thought I had it up. All right, here it is. Now, this is the King speech. This is speech. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. And so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Tonight, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I don't think any of us can be satisfied in the United States until that. All right, so that's Dr. King's speech. Uh, that uh, he, where he says that he's been to the promised land and he's he's been to the mountaintop and he's seen the promised land and and then he says he's not worried because he knows that we as a people will get to the promised land. My question is, have we as a people? And as a people, he wasn't just. I, I mean, he was dressing. Uh, of course, he was probably dressing in an interracial body, but as a people, he was specifically talking about the black people getting to the promised land, getting the rights and things of that nature, as well as the human people. Uh, part of our, the creed of the AME Church, the motto is we say God our Father, we say Christ our Redeemer, we say uh, humankind our family, Holy Spirit our Comforter, humankind our family. As part of that tradition, of that idea of us being connected as a community of believers and as a people. My question is, have we come to the promised land? We've elected a, a, a biracial president, a black president, how you you know, depending on what perspective you've seen it. And, but it would appear, from my perspective, as well as those uh, many others, that we've become more divided. We haven't become united as 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 some have thought would have been. I mean, think about all the issues that are literally dividing this country. Uh, there is a political divide uh, in, in both parties. Uh, you know, there's the there's the leftists of the left wing. There's the rightists of the right wing, and then there's those of us who are Bible believing people who understand. You know, love drives what we do. Love drives, but you know, there's a lot of things. We're going to uh, call her. Uh, I think. Uh, let me. Hello, caller. Are you there? Hello. Yes. All right. Go ahead. Hey. Well, um, I don't 
I just have to say from my perspective, Dr. King may have gotten to the mountaintop, but I think we must have stopped at the hilltop because we are not there, not as an African-American people. And I don't think that we're there as um, an entire society. We can just look at the family and see with the breakdown and deterioration of the family and low, and I think that that is part and parcel a cause for many of the ills that we see in society today. But between the breakdown of the family, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and right now we have an entire school district and an entire school board that had to be fired. Teachers are now being indicted to go to jail for cheating. Teachers are cheating. So we yeah, got and, and, everything happening and, in our you know, society. That and, and 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 what makes it bad about that is the superintendent is a woman of color. Yes. So I mean, does that what does yes. that say? What does that say to our children? What does it say to the very people we are supposed to be educating? That if we cheat. You can succeed. Is that what the message? I mean, you can't do it by natural. You can't do it on your own. You have to have somebody help you do it. Is that is that what Martin was saying by seeing the promised land uh, that we couldn't get there? And he said we're going to get there. I mean, is he saying we're going to get there by any means necessary? Yeah, I don't think that that is what Dr. King was saying. And we have a lot of people who borrow Dr. King's legacy. Um, to claim all kinds of things that he would have meant and would have done. But I don't think anyone would say that this was his intention. I remember when I first went to college, I went to a predominantly white college, um, traditional school at the University of Virginia. Yes, it's a great school. I, I enjoyed my time there. But I remember one of the first meetings I went to of all African Americans, every black first-year student at our school and we were told, you be the best of the best. You work harder. You do more. Because you know what? Not only will other people be watching you, we're going to be watching you. And our expectation is that you're going to work hard. You're going to study. You're going to um, represent our people well, but yourself well in this school. I don't think as I look here in Atlanta at what's going on that the message we're sending our children, which is whatever you want in this life, you've got to take it by any means necessary, is a message that Dr. King would have wanted. This is certainly not the promised land that he saw that day. Um, This isn't what the black family was when he was here. This isn't what um, young and up and coming academics were when he was alive. And so perhaps there's a promised land coming that he saw beyond this hilltop that we seem to be on because it's not enough to have a president that's African-American or biracial or whatever we want to call him. He has to stand for things that we believe in. He actually has to be a moral man, um, and he has to make stances that would support, I'm a Christian, so that would support what I fundamentally believe in. Let me get some clarity. Let me get some clarity. You're you're not calling the president immoral, are you? No, I am not calling the president immoral. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there are things that I could say that I disagree about his administration, disagree with about his administration, but my greater point is there has to be a stance among our leaders that is clear and that is clearly outlined as moral, righteous, godly, trustworthy, so that other leaders who come behind, African-American or otherwise, have an example by which to follow. Let me ask you this question. Uh, um, Well, let me first give a comment. You you went to a predominantly white school. I went to a historically black college and university, HBCU. And just like you, I was told the very same thing. What was expected of me uh, rested on the laurels and the achievements of those who went before me. And it was a high standard because we were the only uh, black college. Uh, we, we were the predominant uh, black college in the state. Uh, we were the only public land-grant institution in uh, black 
college in the state. And so there was a lot of resting on us when we went out and and uh you know, when we went wherever we went. Wherever we went. Yeah, there was, I was a lot of there. Yeah. And uh so 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 I understood that I had to achieve both academically and socially because it was not just about me going to school and graduating. It was really about creating and continuing a legacy that had been going on for for decades, for you know, you know, for a long time. So, mm-hmm. so when you when you hear Dr. King saying that you said that you know we probably just got to the hilltop, do you think we are not doing we are doing uh, less than enough to encourage as, as a church as as a pastor? Uh, what do you think the pastors could do? I mean, Dr. King was a pastor, he was a preacher, he's an educator, he was a scholar. What do you think we could do to uh put momentum behind the climb to the mountaintop to get into the promised land? I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna be a little bit shocking. I think that the church needs to be more intolerant. Um what oh, I mean what? by that is yeah, I know. I know it's gonna be shocking. At this point, I think that the body of Christ has become so tolerant of everything that we're beginning to stand for nothing. Um, I agree with your first caller. She was talking about how we have this image of Jesus with his arms just open wide, accepting any and everything. And I think that he accepts all people, but that doesn't mean he accepts all behavior. And he accepts all mores, and he accepts all um, tendencies. No, that means he will accept you. But we don't call like dirty clean. We clean it up. So I think that what's starting to happen in the church is that we have allowed um, tolerance to erode um, having a true stand and standard. And I think that as the body of Christ, we have to let our young people know. We have to let society know. We have to take a stand that says, listen, some things are not tolerable. I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to accept that behavior. Mothers have to say it to their children. Pastors have to say it to their congregants. Um, Society has to say it to people who are deviant that is intolerant or intolerable behavior but we are so concerned about being labeled um, in the body of Christ in particular that we have allowed our standard which is set by the word of God to crumble when I was a little girl I had a saying written on my wall it was a poem and it was it said, sin is a monster of such awful mean, to be hated need just be seen. Seen too oft, familiar in face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. And wow, that that's powerful. Is, yeah, it is. And, you know, I read that like every day when I was a kid. Um, and I think that's what's happened. So the sins that weren't tolerable or that we would have never let pass, even 20 years ago, now are commonplace. Let, let me, let, it. oh, it's not a big deal. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me throw this comment in, ask you this question. I'm a pastor, and I fail morally. I, 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 I have failed morally. Is mm-hmm. it my responsibility to step away? Is it my responsibility to uh, confess that and step away, or to confess that, address it, and uh, allow for positive outcomes instead of just wallowing in my mess. Because you know, as a pastor, I, you know, and I I have fallen morally. I wish I could say I was perfect. I have been, in, you know, I've done more things wrong as a pastor than I, you know. Well, I've been in ministry over half my life, so you know. But when we run from that, do you think we create more problems as far as being intolerant of that situation? Do you think? I think another, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think when we, as a church or as a body of believers, um, 
put pastors on a pedestal as if they cannot fall or as if if something happens to them, then the whole church is going to fall apart and crumble. No, our good shepherd is the Lord, first and foremost. But with pastors and leaders, I think that the first thing to do is confess your sin so that they can get healing. So my first concern with any pastor, and I've dealt with and known and had to um, talk to pastors who have had moral failings, um, the first step is, listen, the right thing to do is to confess it. So once they have confessed it, the second thing is, is let's work on your healing. So let's work on what got you here and um, what happened. How did this happen? so that we can shore up anything that's foundationally wrong. Because no matter what, that pastor is still a child of God that needs training, teaching, discipline, discipleship, just like members do. But then after that, be restored and walk in the fullness of what God has called you to do. Let, let so me interrupt you. a full cycle. You get a let, repentance, let, a restoration, and a, you know, a redemption. Awesome. Uh, from the chat room, uh uh, Apostolic Awakening Radio said this, this is scripturally prophesied and must come to pass. It doesn't mean that we should simply sit by and allow everything the enemy wants to do to be accomplished. It means that um, that uh, uh, we, we, we are to initiate and we, we are to, uh, well, you know, I'm putting my commentary. I'm adding my commentary. Uh, if if this is scriptural, if this is a, if this is how God intended, or uh, a part of God's working, then we need to be engaged with God's plan and not just allow the enemy to destroy. The, I mean, because it's because it comes to do steal, to kill, and destroy. It goes back like a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy, and and we're sitting idle with our hands under our you know under our legs like we can't do anything. Right, right, and and you know the body of Christ. We're the only folks that kill our wounded. But um, you know one thing I did want to say about going back to Dr. King. What's, What's also amazing to me is that African American people during the Civil Rights Movement we turned to the church, we turned to God, and now as a people somehow during that movement we decided that instead of seeking um strength, instead of seeking solace, justice from the church, we now turn to the government. I, I was just about to mention that. There was an article uh, written not too long ago, and I want to say it was published either on The Root or The Gree or one of those online, uh, and probably somewhere else. But uh, what happened was when we achieved that that uh, that that uh, equality, that social equality that we were so desperately uh, vying for, when we achieved that, we got political. And the black church was at the forefront of the civil rights movement. We were at the forefront. We got 90 seconds. We're going to be going off the air, but we'll still continue the conversation. We'll be still, it won't be streaming live, but we'll still uh, be on the air. Uh, but we, we, we lost the sight of the church because uh, – we turn to those who are political, and we have uh, probably one of the biggest biggest fronts in the political arena, the Congressional Black Caucus right now. And I say that with the utmost respect, but they're the biggest front because they do nothing for the people. And now they're realizing that they are not you know, as effective as they once were. They were effective you know, in, in the late 60s and 70s as we were regaining our political identity. But now they're just another uh, another branch of the Democratic Party. I mean, they're putting out just about everything that uh, the Democratic Party wants, and and and, and they it's, don't it's really stand for anything anymore. And they're doing more to disenfranchise us as a people. Mm-hmm. And I say that you know, and it's not not just because you know my political uh, views, but it's reality. And they they have had they have had to come to the reality that even President Obama has not lived up to his part of the bar, and that you know he had ninety you know, over ninety percent of the African American vote, and he's done very little, if anything, 
for the African American community, but he's done. Uh, uh, look what he's done for the uh, Hispanic and uh, regarding now, look what he's sure. done for uh, the gay and lesbian regarding that, and it, it goes on to you know look what he's done economically for those uh, for corporations. Yet, yeah. uh, yet the blacks have remained. We still have a 14 percent unemployment rate, even though the national percent is just under nine percent. We still have the highest in the nation. We still are. There's still uh, there's still a, an education gap, and of course, uh, Atlanta is, is demonstrating that. There's still uh, a fiscal and economic gap. Look at the city of Detroit, and mm-hmm. you know, the state is trying to take See? over. And there's still a political gap. Look at those who share, uh, who share, who espouse uh, conservative views, like Dr. Carson, mm-hmm. Ben Carson. I mean, this guy is one of the most highly respected doctors on the planet. Yes. Because he espoused views that were not liberal. I mean, they are literally trying to do all they can in their power to uh, discredit this man. So. And what's really shocking to me about African Americans in general is all of what you have said is true, and we still don't get it. We're still looking to the government for something. We're still feeling like if we just get enough black people in political power, then we're going to have our, like, our day in the sun. But that is untrue. What the truth is is we have got to go back to our roots. We have got to stand for something. It was never the intent for us to gain political power in order to get the authority that we need in the earth. If that authority isn't given by man because the Lord lifts one up and puts another down, not man. So the government can't fix what's wrong in the African-American community. And now, in the meantime, we have gotten politically stronger and we have gotten socially, morally, and in every other way weaker. We are deteriorating. But you know what? We got a black man in office. We can't keep our families together, but we got a black man in office. We're in jail by the droves. We got a black man in office. What has it done for we can't get jobs, but we got a black man in office. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately that's the only argument anytime you present facts, that's the only argument that they have is that we have come, we got black man in office, we have blacks running five hundred uh Fortune five hundred companies we have blacks who are mayors of the largest cities in the country, and if you look at all those cities, uh, look at unemployment rates, look at the crime rates, look at all the things that are, are, are meaningful, and you find that we still are underachieving. We are yes, still not doing well. And uh, you can blame conservative talk shows all you want to. Uh, I don't believe Rush has anything to do with black people. Uh, being in the, the state of affairs that they're in, I don't believe anybody, Sean Hannity, anyone is doing anything to to work against us. We are our we own. We don't work. have the authority to do so. That's right. So we're doing well, it to ourselves. Well, because I, there wasn't time, Pastor Neil, where we had businesses. We had them, and we yeah. had businesses in our own communities. That's not happening anymore. We are in regression. What you know? What's happening? You know what's happening? This is what's happening. Immigrants are coming in. You have those Middle Easterners who are coming in. They are mm-hmm. establishing themselves as businesses. I mean, you go to any black neighborhood. What are you going to find? You're going to find a hair store. Who runs? Who owns the hair store? It's not an African American. Nope. It's, it's going to be um, Asian it may be people. A Middle yeah. Or it may be an Asian. And I'm not being, you know, I'm not, I'm not being bigot. I'm not being racist. No, no, no. Right. For That's example, just what we've come to. That's right, because we're not running stores in our own neighborhoods anymore. No, no. I mean, even the liquor store. At least the black folk used to used to <laughs> own the liquor store. <laughs> we don't own the liquor store anymore. For two things, black folk, you knew when you went in the black neighborhood, you're gonna see a church and a liquor store, and both of them gonna be owned by black folk. But that ain't the case anymore, you know. We don't own the church building because the bank owns that. We're trying to build more extraordinary uh, buildings and <laughs> going in debt. And we don't even own the liquor store. The little strip malls have, you know, got 
four doors on two building, you know, two businesses in it, not owned by us anymore. <laughs> so, but we do own the tire shop, mechanic shop, the shade tree mechanic shop. We we own that. We know how to bootleg DVDs and hustle. Yeah, we, we know hustle. How to open the club. You gotta hustle. We know how to but open. But there's the something inside of us that's gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to rise up. Yeah. We can't look to the government for a handout because that's only as good as a handout's gonna get. Well, there's anyway, gonna come. Anyway, Neal, it has been blessed. I know I've talked long. I feel bad. Well, uh, my uh, person in the chat room was like, "Say you're very intelligent." Matter of fact, uh-huh. said that uh, uh, a very good, intelligent speaker and a woman apparently knows oh. the Lord. <laughs> ah, yes. Highest compliment of all. Thank you. Well, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it. And again, we're off air, but this is streaming. It's still streaming. So whenever anybody catch, catches the archive, they're going to listen to more than an hour broadcast. But thank you for uh, helping me on the show. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Oh, uh, uh, hey. Uh, with with this state of uh, congestion that I'm in, I'd rather hear somebody else talking to my own self. <laughs> Shame. Shame. But, uh, I certainly hope you feel better. I'll be praying for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.